Yes, you guys excited? Yeah. All right. So back in July, I did a message on perfect unity yes. where it was based on the prayer that Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross that, um, that is recorded for us in John chapter 17. So I've been promising you part two of that message, so that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? All right, so before we do that, let's review a little bit from that message, okay? So Jesus prayed that we, or those who would believe in him, would experience such perfect unity that the world would know that he, wa- that he is who he says he was, Okay? He prayed that we, his body on the earth, together would become so one with him that people would encounter him everywhere that we are. Okay? It's the kind of unity that begins in heaven in the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It's a unity where we become so one with the Spirit who is in unity with Jesus, who is in unity with the Father, that we walk in unity with heaven with every step. Okay? Does that make sense? So we cannot have unity in our relationships on the earth until it first begins in that relationship. Okay? Any kind of unity where we have to withhold from our relationship with God or operate outside of the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the standard of Jesus, or the word of the Father is not real unity and will produce no lasting fruit. Okay? So in the last message, we talked about how perfect unity is rooted in truth. Okay? Many times when the word unity is used in the world, it is used with, a, with an agenda to promote compromise in the name of loving people. The agenda says, if you don't accept my choices, then you don't love me. So in the name of unity, you must empower me to live how I want to live. Okay? Does that make sense? That's actually not unity. Okay? That's free will, but that's not unity. Okay? Free will was a gift that was given to us by the Lord, but it's not unity. It was actually to say that I can live my life or I want to live my life however I want to live it without regard to the instructions of the Lord is, was actually the beginning of separation. Okay? It was the act of Adam and Eve in the garden that's, that said, I want to be my own God that actually introduced division into the world. It was the beginning of separation. So every time that we come into agreement with choices that separate people from God, we are promoting an agenda of division, even though it may disguise itself as unity. Okay? You guys okay? So so truth is not primarily an instrument of judgment. Truth shines a light on the lies that keep us in prisons of darkness and separation. Okay? Truth is that light that reveals righteousness. And righteousness restores the standard of who we are without sin. Before we were ever separated from God. It brings us into unity of who the Father says we are before, in his glory, before we ever entered into the world of sin. 
truth brings us into unity with heaven's opinion of us. Okay? You guys okay so far? That is the review. Okay? So for more about that, you can go listen to that message. Okay? Today, if you have a Bible and you want to, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2. This perfect unity that Jesus prayed for and will happen on the earth does not just allow us to operate in our individual unity with God, but also together as a family, okay? It's the kind of unity where we can have relationships of honor and submission with one another that reflect the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit in heaven, Okay, does that sound crazy? (laughs) Maybe. If it sounds crazy, you should know that this is what Jesus prayed for. And and because Jesus prayed for it, it is the destiny of the church. Okay? You guys okay? So Philippians chapter 2 begins by talking about the experience of being in unity with God before we can join together in perfect unity with one another. Okay? So let's read starting in verse 1. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One, who is Jesus. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled Opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Do not allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. Okay? So we'll stop there for now. Because first... This scripture provides a baseline of unity with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, okay? So before we can join in unity with the family, then we have to understand uh, what the baseline is, what unity with heaven looks like. So it says encouragement, comforting love, friendship, tender affection, and mercy, okay? So when we are in relationships where we are putting our expectations on another person to receive these things from them, then we will feel empty and lacking when they don't provide enough of it for us. And we will never be in unity with that person. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Because we, if we do this, we will constantly feel unfulfilled and isolated Because although we should receive those things from one another, they will never be able to give us as much as we need to be fulfilled. Okay? We can only be filled with encouragement, 
comfort, friendship, love, and mercy if we, and if we, and unless we first do it in our unity with our relationship with heaven. Okay? So if we find ourselves lacking in those things, stop being agitated with the person that's not giving you what you need and go back to your baseline. Okay? Because it's in that relationship where we can be filled with those things that then we are ready to step into unity with other people. Where, the exp- where when we receive those things from them, it's good and it's nice and it's wonderful and we love that, but we don't need that from them to be fulfilled. Okay? All right? So remember your baseline. Okay? So... The scripture that we read describes perfect unity with one another this way. One heart, one passion, united in one love, walking together with harmonious purpose. Okay, does that make sense? So this translation doesn't state it, but in other translations and in the original text, it says it like this. You, are so, you should have the same mind and the same love. Okay, so Nedra explained this really, really well last week. So go back and listen to that message again. And when you're finished with that, go back and listen to it again. Because she described for us a lot of wonderful things. But one of the things that she said, she talked about was attachment. And how our brains or our minds form our identities and our character based on who we love more than what we believe, okay? So she talked about how sharing the mind of Christ, we do that through the attachment of love, okay? So go back and listen to that. So I want to talk a little bit about what it means to have the same mind or one mind, because I think a lot of times when we, the picture that we get when we hear that is like we should all always just agree, and think alike, and we should never have a difference of opinion, okay? Well, then it goes on to say, well, be free from pride-filled opinions. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. View others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness, and possess a greater concern for what happens to others than your own interest, okay? So with all of that, sometimes the picture that we tend to get in our minds is like, we always have to think alike, We're never supposed to have an opinion that's different than everybody. We should all be equal, no matter our level of investment. We should all, like, we should, we we should know that we're not important. We should always be promoting everyone else. And if I have my own dreams and my own desires, then that's bad. And that's how we hear that a lot of times. But that is not the picture that's being described here. The picture that's being described here about the same mind is not that I never have my own thoughts and my own opinions and my own identity. It means that that when I am thinking, I am not only thinking of my needs and my desires and my thoughts and my experiences and my gifts, but I am also always thinking of yours. Okay, can we say that again? Okay, having the same mind, the picture of having the same mind is that I am not always only thinking, I am never only thinking of my thoughts and my experiences and my gifts and my needs, 
but I am also always thinking of yours. Okay? Does that make sense? (laughs) Um, It means that I do not always interpret the world through the lens of my own experiences and my own gifts and my own desires. Okay? But I also... I place as much value, if not more, on your thoughts and your experiences and your gifts and your desires. Okay? Does that make sense? Because then I can see the world not from my own individual lens and those who are just like me, but now I'm seeing the world through the lens of love because I'm seeing it from a collective viewpoint of perfect unity. Okay, does that make sense? All right, are you guys awake? Because I know that my viewpoint plus your viewpoint gives me a more complete understanding of what I see. Okay, my viewpoint plus your viewpoint, viewpoint gives me a more collective understanding of what I see. Okay, does that make sense? So God created us to be uniquely beautiful with powerful gifts and individual destinies okay but they can those can never be fully or completely fulfilled without the gifts that he's giving you to invest in me okay does that make sense when we know who we are and how powerful we are and yet we also know the value of what God has given you and how powerful you are then our, what our impact with the world becomes multiplied. Okay? Because it's never, it's, it's not just about what I can do, it's about what we can do together. Okay? Does that make sense? So having the same mind is not always thinking the same way. It is acknowledging that my mind is not the only one to consider because we exist in partnership. Okay? You guys okay? Just makes sense. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2 and uh, see how we can get to this place. Starting in verse 5, it says, Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Or other translations say, let his mind be in you. Okay. He existed in the form of God, and yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, um, first, 
we have access to sharing the mind of Christ, which again, Nedra did a great job of explaining that last week. What I wanna talk about is like how this example of Jesus, what it means for us today, okay? Because it says he existed in the form of God, but gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant and he became human, okay? So what Jesus did here was a stunning reversal of Eden, okay? Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden, take this fruit and seize your equality with God. You will be like God. You will be equal with God, okay? So the sin of Satan, which was I will ascend and be like the most high, became the ultimate sin of mankind because we considered equality with God something to be grasped and held on to. Okay? Do you guys make sense? Does that make sense? Do you guys make sense? You guys make great sense. <laughs> oh boy. Um, does that make sense? Okay, because even though today, the way that we think of equality, if, if we're not thinking of it in terms of ability, like if I, I am not capable of becoming equal with God, okay? However, what we sometimes do is place ourselves equal to or higher than God in who we allow to have authority over our life. Okay? All these years later, we're still considering equality with God something to be grasped, okay? So Jesus was God. He existed in the form of God. He was equal with God, but he said, hey, I don't consider equality with God something to hold on to, so I'm going to lay it down, and I'm going to empty myself of my heavenly glory because mankind, you cannot be equal with God, so I will become like one of you. Okay? Does that make sense? <laughs> See, because he, he didn't um, want to hold on to what he already possessed so that only he could possess it, he laid it down so that he could share it with us. This is the mind of God, okay? The thing that we wanted to grasp and hold on to and take and seize, he said, I don't want to hold on to it. I wanna share it. I wanna give it away. But you won't, you won't take it by force. You won't take it by what you can accomplish, you can, you'll take it as a gift. This is the mind of God. Now, I'm not suggesting that we are or will ever be equal with God. What I'm saying is that because Jesus, because of what Jesus did, because he laid down his position and his glory in order to share it with us so that we could be co-heirs with him, that we now have access to the glory and the mind of God and the inheritance of God becoming the sons of God. 
This is the mind of God. It's upside down, it's backwards, it's inside out than how we would normally think, okay? You guys okay? Okay. So what Jesus demonstrated was perfect unity. It's the attitude of, I am not concerned with what I deserve or what I possess or what I think I have a right to. Instead, I am willing to lay those things down so that I can be, participate in empowering and strengthening someone else. So then what I used to possess becomes multiplied because I was willing to lay it down. Okay, does that make sense? This is the example of Jesus. Okay, so um, perfect unity values multiplication over equality. Perfect unity values multiplication over equality. Equality says, equality is concerned with what I deserve and what I possess and what I have a right to and what's fair for me. Okay? But multiplication thinks beyond all that. Okay? It's not just my mind only and what I need only and what I can do only. It's a mind that thinks about what we can accomplish together. Okay? Because it knows that your thoughts plus my thoughts and your experiences plus my experiences and your gifts plus my gifts equals multiplication. And that is how we impact the world. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys okay? (laughs) All right. So not only did Jesus lay down his heavenly glory to share it with us, he who existed in the form of God put himself under authority. (laughs) That's crazy. He demonstrated humility and perfect unity by submission. Okay? Jesus put himself under the authority of the Father, and he also put himself under the authority of earthly rulers. When they came to arrest him, he told Peter, Hey, don't you know that I could call on my Father and he would send more than 12 legions of angels? You know what that tells me? Jesus was free to not submit. Jesus chose to submit to authority. Okay? Does that make sense? That is why Jesus was given all the authority he was given in the scripture that we just read. Because we cannot cannot be trusted with authority if we cannot submit to authority. Okay? Does does that make sense? Okay, there, there are people who believe that they are called by God to exist outside the church and to float from church to church and to just like be outside the church. And sometimes they they think that this is in the name of unity, okay? But really it's the opposite of unity because really what it is 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 an inability to submit to authority, okay? Because Jesus not only commanded us to submit to one another, but he demonstrated it for us. That the way that you get authority is by submitting to authority. The way that you get promoted is you serve. The way that you get more is you invest. Okay, does that make sense? (laughs) Okay, so what these people really believe is that they are more important or have a higher calling than most everyone else, okay? Um, 
and they lack the mind of Christ to lay down their individual position in order to elevate the worth of another, even if that person is a person in authority. Okay? <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. The mind of Christ is that I will submit to authority because not only because I am strong enough to know my worth and so I will lay it down so that I can elevate the worth of another even if that person is over me or in authority over me this works in your workplaces so well instead of going (laughs) I worked with a guy one time and he was oh he was always in trouble uh, he couldn't show up to work on time. He couldn't do his work. He just, he didn't get along with anyone. He was just like trouble, 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 trouble. And so they called him in one time to to the office and said, hey, we're going to have to, he had been written up several times and they were like, we're going to have to let you go. He's like, oh, no, you don't. I am blessed and highly favored and God is my God and you are not, have, you do not have authority over me. And I was like, oh, this is happening. Like, that's not, that's not the example. That's not what we're called to. That's not what it means to be blessed and highly favored, okay? What it means is, like, I have access to more than anyone else, so I should be doing a thousand times more than everyone else and be a thousand times more excellent than everyone else because I have access to more. And I will use my worth to serve you so that you get elevated. And then we're all elevated together. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So submission is being strong enough to know your worth and use it to elevate the worth of another, regardless of position. Okay? Submission values partnership because partnership multiplies impact. Okay? Michael, you can come up here. Um, the more that we can submit to family and authority and to one another, the more God will elevate us. Instead of us trying to always elevate ourselves or trying to like find a church who will elevate us, if we will get in and serve and know our worth and know the worth of each other, God will elevate us when he can trust us with more authority. Okay, does that make sense? And then we realize the more that we elevate others, the more the impact we want to have becomes multiplied. Okay? So let's stand up. Michael is uh, just going to play for us. And uh, what I want us to do is, like, I want you to just close your eyes because, like, you don't have to like keep them closed throughout the whole time if like God tells you to open them. But I think like closing your eyes just helps helps us to focus on the spirit realm and to see what we cannot normally see. Um, because like that scripture says like let this mind be in you. It's it's a choice. Like Sarah was saying earlier, like it's a choice. To, to let him transform the way that we think. And like for some of you, like it's about like going back to the baseline of 
like, hey, today, like, I need encouragement. I need comfort. I need mercy. I need love. I need, I need friendship. Like, for you, looking at, like Nedra talked about last week, like, forming your attachment with the eyes of Jesus, with the mind of Christ, to receive those things from him. And it doesn't, it doesn't, give the family an excuse not to give those things, but what it does is it it makes you free from having to need it from a person. Because no matter how much they give us, they can't give it to us like God can give it to us. That encouragement, that comfort, that affection, that mercy, for some of us, like it looks like just recognizing that drive inside of us to grasp this equality with, with God, this, this desire to be in charge of our own life. And know, hey, Jesus, Jesus reversed all of that. And the way to get access to it now is to lay your life down receive it and lay your life down for someone else and let it be multiplied and know that like being part of a a family is not just about what you can receive from the family it's about how you can serve the family so that together we become unstoppable in bringing heaven to earth, not just in this room, but out there in the world that we exist every day. So just take a few minutes while while Michael plays and just, just give him permission to let his mind be in you. And to, to reform the way that you think so that it's not just my mind, my thoughts, my desires, my experiences only, but my thoughts plus their thoughts, my experiences plus their experiences gives me a more complete understanding of how to love the world. Thank you, Jesus, for the example of what it means the destiny of the church (laughs) and that every tongue will confess in every language that you are Lord and there is one God you are uh, you are free to um, to come forward if you would like just to to focus in more um you're free to sit where you are um you're you're dismissed whenever you feel ready to be dismissed um this is just time for you to encounter the lord